what smiley is this? Uh oh, it's some sort of emoji that I don't really know what it means. And then he said, it's in my queue. Wait, wait, what's the what's the emoji? Describe it to me. It's uh, can I zoom in on this thing? I'm like an old man with my iPhone. It's um, <laughs> you gotta go into the accessibility features and yeah, triple seriously. tap the home button. Uh, actually, is... I'll do that right now. That's what I'm gonna do. Device. No. <laughs> yeah, go, yeah, go to settings. Power. No, no, no. No, go to settings, accessibility, all the way at the bottom, I think. Or towards Can't the, you, the bottom. Like, isn't there a way where you can like Because like all right, I'm gonna sound like a really old man now, but how do you how do you know what they're supposed to be? <laughs> the emojis? Yeah. Is there like a text like that like it tells you like this face means like sad? Maybe I just uh, sound like a sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are you having trouble deciphering um, facial expressions again? You I need think to, that's what it is. You need yeah. to relearn how to be human. Welcome to episode 12 of Twin Takes with Kabir and Garrett. Uh, I'm Kabir. I'm with Garrett, my David Lynch Sherpa. How are you, Garrett? I'm doing very well. How are you doing, Kabir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm eager to discuss this episode. Oh, you are? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is, uh, we're going to talk about part 11 of Twin Peaks season three, The Return. Yes. Uh, and I'll tell you right now. I did not like this episode. No. Okay. And uh, while previous, uh, the last couple lately that I've not liked have let me have left me feeling uh, exhausted and emotionally drained. Yeah, I know you. This one. <laughs> this one was. Uh, I'm I'm ready to fight with this one. Oh, uh, okay. It was. It was. It was not uh, overwhelming. It was uh, uh, dumb. Oh no! And, oh no! And uh, and I'm ready to uh, to attack it. Well, I think you're going to be dissatisfied because I think that's the I think that was the point of the whole episode. Actually, it's supposed to be was dumb. to be dumb. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be like a soap opera. But we'll we'll, we'll get to it. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, I can't wait for. I mean, I guess you're the you're the David Lynch apologist of the of Twin Takes uh, yeah, for sure. Well, hey, hey, he meant for the episode to be bad. That's the whole thing. <laughs> that's why it's so good. Don't you understand? <laughs> Uh, shall we, um, shall, shall we dive right in? Let's do it because I, I don't, I only remember bits and pieces, uh, like wow. offhand. You just watched it, what, yesterday, right? Yeah, yesterday, yeah. There's like moments that stick with me, but, um, yeah. I'm glad you're, was, I'm glad you take notes so we can, you, yes, can yeah, it. yeah. So we start with, um, uh, some, uh, kids outside oh, playing yeah. catch. Mm-hmm. And what I thought was, what immediately came to my mind was like, that it was like a Law and Order episode. <laughs> oh, what were you going to say? Oh, I, I thought you had the same thought I had, which was these kids are going to get hit. Die. You're going to get hit by a <laughs> truck again or something. Yeah. Sometimes kids just have fun. Sometimes they discover a woman on death's door. <laughs> yeah, like a zombie woman crawling through the grass. No, I, I got serious Law and Order vibes because it's like kids, it's people doing like a routine thing and then the music comes in. Uh, and then they stumble upon the scene of a crime. Oh, interesting. Okay. And even the way that the music came in, uh, I wish I had, I, I didn't, I didn't capture the music for it, but the With way the... that it sort of came in mm-hmm. uh, almost felt like a Law and Order episode, you know, where it's always like the janitor, like cleaning something. And he's like, ah, oh, I'm working a double shift, you know, uh, as long as whatever keeps me out of the house, my wife's happy. And then it's like, oh, what's this? Oh, call the police. Like, and that was, these kids are playing catch. And then they hear a noise. They go over and they see a woman clinging to life. Yeah, uh, and they call the they call the police. Yeah. So this shows my pop culture ignorance. This is the show, right, where they it opens with the dun dun, and then they have that nice little monologue with in the criminal justice system. That whole thing. Are you saying you don't you don't know Law and Order? I've never. I don't think I've ever seen an episode. No. I- is, is that the right show? Is that the right show? Yeah, yes. Yeah. I only know that from like spoofs from comedy shows. <laughs> that it's it's they had like thirty seasons. You can't like hmm. how, how do you not accidentally watch an episode of Law and Order? As soon as I would uh, see it coming on, I you know turn that bad boy off. Bad boy off. I got to get to my Washington Post commentary. 
<laughs> that's uh that's really uh sad. <laughs> it just it's just interesting. We've peeled another uh, layer of the onion of of Garrett. Yeah, like, yeah, my, my media consumption, yeah, my entertainment never, consumption, yeah. Never seen an episode of Law and Order. No, I don't think so. Uh, I've I've but, I have watched that opening um like the the opening credits just um, so I can understand <laughs> the, the jokes. Uh <laughs> I don't think I've seen anything beyond that, yeah. I I think it's far too formulaic for you. I mean, it's just it's just Law and Order. The two aspects of this show that you hate the most. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. The law and the order. There's no space. When, when does the space vortex appear in the it's, it's law and order episode? There's no space vortex. Okay. Well, unfortunately. Well, I think it might be a hard pass. So uh, the woman that they find mm-hmm. is the woman, I, I think the woman that, uh, is, yeah. she, she, what was his name? I've already forgotten. Richard. Uh, Richard. Yeah. Richard uh, beats. The woman who uh, he attacked uh, in her trailer, mm-hmm. and then he uh, lit a candle and turned on the gas oven. So we thought she would have exploded, um, but uh, apparently she crawled for help. And that, if I'm correct, that's pretty much all that we see of this character. Yeah. So presumably um, the kids are going to write a letter to their local police department, <laughs> and in three to five business days, someone will come and, and check it out. Well, Andy will come, and then someone will ask him to leave, and he'll just take off. That's right. He'll just be. He'll just be. You want to meet later? Okay. Yeah. When, when do you want to meet? What's convenient for you? By the way, we still haven't seen. We we have no resolution on that. The whole sequence of events. Oh yeah, yeah. All I know Andy. is I want to buy a Rolex. That's all I know. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh. Later, so uh, Amanda Seyfried uh, realizes that her husband, the cokehead, is cheating on her. Mm-hmm. And uh, she tries to, she needs to go confront him. She doesn't have a car. So she calls her mother, Shelly, yes. who's the hostess at the diner. And so earlier we had seen Shelly like helping her out, but I at least didn't know that Shelly was her mother. Maybe you knew. No, I, I had forgotten that point, actually. And I don't think they had established that earlier in the uh, season. Yeah. So Shelly uh, drives down to help her. Uh, Amanda Seyfried uh, gets past her and just takes the car. Uh, uh, Shelly throws herself on the hood of the car like a goddamn maniac yeah. to try to stop her. Yeah. And Shelly is in such a rage that she uh, backs up the car without really caring about her mom and then like spins it out. And her mom is thrown from the hood of the car. Yeah, almost dies. Uh, almost dies. She had like a bump. On her knee. Yeah, I mean, she could have died, though. I mean, this is you know. She could have died. Yeah, she 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 rolled onto the grass. It was fine. Uh, but yeah, very reckless behavior on both their parts. Mm. Uh, we learned that Amanda Seafried has a gun. Yeah, yeah. I might have looked away from the screen. I don't. I don't know if I missed. How does she have a gun? She grabs it when she. It, what's one of the first things she learns is she finds finds out about um, her boyfriend or her husband. She yeah. angrily finds a gun and she's screaming and she calls her mom. So she has her gun throughout the whole sequence okay all right all right so she uh she's driving to her boyfriend's house or husband's uh husband's house or at least where the husband is mm-hmm. um in fact we know it's not the husband's house it's the house of the uh, the apartment of the woman he's cheating with presumably yeah. um and he uh she goes up she bangs on the door and uh she's like get out of here get out of here i know you're in here a neighbor looks and is like they're not here what's wrong with you and then she sees the gun she's like ah they're not here and she closes the door uh, you have a little funny scene at the uh, police station where all these 911 calls start coming in. She, in a rage, opens fire at the door. Yeah. And shoots it like four or five times. I mean, not a, not a good idea. If, I mean, you don't even confirmed who's, who's, uh, if you got the right room. Yeah, she's clearly angry. And uh, so a lot of people hear and, and see this and they, they call the police. Cut back to the trailer park where, where Amanda Seyfried lives with her husband. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Shelly, the mom, is there, and she runs towards um, the trailer park manager, who we've seen a few times. Yeah, Harry Dean Stanton, very famous Harry actor. Harry Dean Stanton, yeah. Uh, and she's like, hey, hey, I got to go. Uh, I, you know, uh, my daughter is gone, and, and he's like, oh, all right. He blows a whistle? Yeah, so these are the little parts that I just love that you don't find in other shows. He pulls a whistle out of his pocket, I guess, like a long whistle. Yeah. And just blows it to like summon his vehicle. Yeah, a Volkswagen bus (laughs) 
holds up. Oh yeah, I love it. Uh, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, that's how he gets around town. And uh, I mean, it's being driven by someone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that person is just like what, like idling just off screen because it shows up within a second of him blowing the whistle. It's, he's on call. Yeah, he, Harry Dean Stan runs a tight ship. I mean, you know, whatever happens inside the trailer home of his uh, tenants, you know, that's their business. But outside, you know, he's 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 got things under on lockdown. And this is the same guy who had to hitch a ride to get to work last time we saw him. Well, you know, people call him. But he's got a Volkswagen bus, like, (laughs) like on retainer. Well, there you go. By the way, (laughs) same guy from um, Firewalk with me. Yeah, 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 yeah. The guy who was uh, weirdly bandaged Mm -hmm. in Firewalk Mm -hmm. with me has a bus summoning flute. Yes. Yeah. God, I love this show. (laughs) You haven't mentioned what happens when they get inside. Are we going to talk about that? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. They get in. They get inside. I'm still reconciling them getting in now that they're inside we enter a whole other world of bizarreness uh so she so calls good. she's like what do i do she calls she calls 911 yeah and they're like what's going on and she's trying to explain the situation and then he's like how about i call bobby he pulls out uh, a cb radio mm-hmm. and radios and asks to be connected to bobby and is like in the police network yeah he's 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 you know he's got a direct line to dispatch yeah, yeah. Which uh, look, I'm not part of the CB radio community. Can you just do that? Can you just no. can you just call into radio police dispatch and then ask to be connected to an officer and they'll just do it? Oh, well, I mean, maybe they have a public. They might have like a public channel, right? That they will permit people to. But uh, it's not a bad idea. Directly to Bobby. Yeah. And uh, then they, we, I think we cut right to the diner. Bobby is there with Shelly, the mother. We learned that Shelly and Bobby are the mother and father of uh, Amanda Seyfried. Yeah, Amanda Seyfried. I know. Yes, Earth uh, But they're not. But they're not together. Not anymore. No sad story. Yeah. Bobby's like, look, you know, you got a, you, you open fire at a woman's <laughs> door. Uh, the least you, the least you have to do is pay for the for the door. And she's like, I'm not going to pay for no door. And he's like, Look, you can't go around shooting things. You have to, you have to do something. Uh, if it wasn't for me, you'd be you and your husband would be in jail. Uh, she says that she doesn't want to take money from her from her uh, mother anymore. And so Bobby offers to put up the, the the money. A couple weird things happen. A guy comes up to the to the diner window. Oh, do you know who that guy is? No, who is that? Oh, that's low rent Tom Cruise. That's that magic motherfucker. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, so the magic motherfucker shows up. Mm. And, you know, in my defense, we saw him for 10 minutes. <laughs> I mean, we can a talk about it in terms of episodes ago. or time. We saw him for 10 minutes uh, about a month, a month maybe ago. six weeks ago. At least. No, at least. And he's only on screen, like you said, 10 minutes. Yeah, and, you know... We described him as low rent Tom Cruise, but really the magic steals the episode. Of course, yeah. yeah. So your your focus is pulled away from his face to the, the spinning dime. The dime, yeah. Uh, so okay, good to know. Good to know, magic motherfucker. So he comes and he taps on the uh, uh, window and he sees Shelley. She's excited. It's a little uh, anno- like upsetting for Bobby, right? Who's trying to, you know, be part of this family. You know, to see her with her boyfriend. Yeah, he obviously still has feelings for Shelly on some level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Shelly uh, runs outside and they start just like really making out. I mean, it's like a high school sweetheart love story kind of thing, right? Yeah. Uh, and then he sees them and they make eye contact. Bobby sees them. Yes. So here's what I thought was going to happen is she's going to get like nervous and embarrassed and she's going to be like, Oh, uh, sorry. I didn't mean for you to see that. Uh, let me introduce you to my boyfriend. This is so and so. And then they would have like an awkward, like, like male rivalry, like terse handshake. Mm, mm-hmm. That's what you would expect to see. Instead, what happens is they make eye contact, and she's like, "Oh, my ex is seeing me with my making out with my current boyfriend," and then they sprint away yeah, <laughs> into yeah. a into an alley. Yeah, they make out more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he's like, "Hey, I'll see you tonight," and she's like, "Yeah, looking forward to it." And then he, he for some reason, he jogs away. Very bizarre behavior. Well, he's an evil person. <laughs> and she's just, you know, she she falls in love too easily, apparently. I guess. She comes back to the table where her daughter 
and who she's just been criticizing for from dating and then marrying a shitty guy. Yeah. Her daughter is there and her ex is there. And she's not even like embarrassed. She's like, mm, I met someone. She doesn't say anything, but like her face is like, oh, I'm so happy. Poor Bobby, right? Yeah, but Bobby is very obviously hurt. And Amanda Seyfried is just soaking it all in, looking at Bobby with sadness, looking yeah. at her mom with uh, maybe a little bit of trepidation on her part because maybe she has a sense that this guy is no good. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it was it was just a very weird series of events. Yes. And then it gets even weirder. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Then we take it. Then, just in case you forgot, you're watching Twin Peaks. Yeah. A bullet is fired. Mm-hmm. Breaks the window right where they're sitting. A number of bullets. Uh, was it a number of bullets? I thought yeah. it was just one. No, no, no. Definitely multiple shots. Um, and and I actually, I like this scene up until a very specific point. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and like, you know, Bobby is like, everyone get down. Like, everyone stay down. Everyone's like freaking out in the diner. He like draws his weapon. You know, he crouches over to the door. He comes out and he's like trying to secure the area. And you see what happened is... There's a minivan mm, yeah. across the street that was in traffic. A kid got a hold of a gun that mm. was in the backseat. Uh, why you're storing your weapons in the backseat of a minivan, I don't know. That's what the husband and the, and the wife are fighting about. Yeah. That they're like, I, you know, if I knew it was a loaded gun, I wouldn't have left it in the backseat. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just very, very strange place to, to leave. Yeah. One, it's weird to load a weapon and leave it in your car if you're not like a criminal, uh, which I guess this guy could be. But it's like a minivan. It's like a family vehicle. (laughs) And then two, how do you put an object in a backseat and not know that it's a gun? Yeah, these people have some problems. Yeah. So uh, and it turns out that a kid had picked up the gun and fired it through the window of the minivan and into the diner. Mm Mm-hmm. I really like this because it was like a really cool, like jarring, like like strange, but but fairly realistically handled situation. Yeah, and the way he shoots the kid is really strange. The kid's kind of staring at you with this, and the kid's probably five, maybe even yeah. younger. And the kid is is like striking this pose, really strange. He's leaning against the car, like the car door, and staring at Bobby, like I don't give a fuck. Yeah, really <laughs> defiant. And really, like badass. Yeah, <laughs> it was but, really weird. But like dark, like you can see, this kid has no future. Like it's almost like this. It's already decided. This poor kid is going to grow up to some some sort of something bad. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really cool like break in a scene that really scares you, but it's like handled really well. It's very realistic. Oh, okay, all right. Um, right until. Right until this point. Well, so we should say what's happening throughout this whole uh, sequence of events. As soon as Bobby leaves the diner, there's just honking, just incessant honking. Yeah. There's a woman who's leaning on the horn. He goes around to the side and he's like, lady, what's your problem? I've, I've recorded oh. <laughs> what she says. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Let's listen because and, I don't really uh, understand what this is all about. I don't, uh, I don't know what this is. You don't know what this is? No, no, no. I, I know what you're going to show. I don't know the intention. I don't know what Lynch is trying to say with this scene. So so, so I have a question. So so I'll, I'll just briefly explain what, what's happening. So there's a woman. I, I won't tell you. I won't give away, you know, what her reason is for honking. I'll let you guys hear that for yourselves yeah. uh, because she lays out her, her situation very clearly. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, We're late for dinner. It's way past 630. Why is this happening? <laughs> I saw that gun go shooting out the window. Her uncle is joining us. She hasn't seen him in a very long while. We're late. We've got miles to go. Please, we have to get home. She's sick. Oh, 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 God. put the whole thing in there no i cut some of it <laughs> oh you did did you really yes i did oh wow okay so it gives a sense of people who aren't watching the show i, I listened we listened to about a minute of a two-minute scene yeah where uh 
This woman is insane. She's yelling yeah. about their, their dinner that they have to get to. She's referring to a girl who's in the car. Yeah. Who uh, you might have heard starts vomiting. And that's when the woman just starts going, ah, ah. Well, but the, the girl in the car is kind of slumped over to the side. Like you can't really see this person. Yeah, she, 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 sort, she sort of enters frame. Yeah. Right as she starts vomiting. And uh, Bobby is just staring at her. Well, <laughs> and the woman is just yelling, ah, ah. Well, it's almost like a zombie film because the child or the girl or whoever it is is yeah. vomiting. It's like leaking out of their mouth and their eyes are rolled back. Now, isn't, isn't she vomiting pure Garbanzonia? <laughs> I don't think this is Garbanzonia, to it's be perfectly not, honest. Pure, uh, pure evil? Know, no. 2%, 2% pasteurized Garbanzonia? <laughs> it could be. Uh, uh, but but then this child is begins to come towards the window of the car. And that's right, yeah. She, she, she comes closer to Bobby, yeah. leaning over her mother uh, or the woman. And is just spilling, like spewing vomit all over her face and making eye contact with Bobby. It's quite disturbing and gross. It's really strange, yeah. Bobby just uh, looks at it with kind of a flabbergasted face. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's kind of the end of the scene. That's, I mean, that's the end of the whole arc. So this kind of bothered me because usually, especially my second viewing, a lot of these things are coming together. But yeah. this one, this one, I don't know. I, I have no <laughs> idea. I know uh, it was interesting. But yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't say interesting, but it, it was a thing that it's a thing that happened. Uh, thing that happened yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's the end of that sort of plot. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Deputy Director Lynch and the FBI. Mm-hmm. So uh, so last time we saw these folks, they were talking about they've they've uncovered a few things. Uh, Matthew Lillard. Uh, has given his um, testimony that he went to a, a strange house and, uh, gosh. Met uh, the major. Uh, major uh, Briggs yep. was there in an alternate dimension and got his head cut off. Mm-hmm. And uh, then his uh, girlfriend, uh, the librarian, Ruth Davenport, mm-hmm. uh, uh, was killed. And, and remember that her head was found on Major Briggs's body. If it sounds crazy, it's, well, I mean, that's what you get for tuning into episode 12 yeah. of, of Twin, t- Twin Takes. Yeah, yeah. Start at the beginning. Um, <laughs> uh, so they're with Matthew Lillard, and he's led them back to the house. Mm-hmm. And it's also important to remember that Diane, who is uh, Laura Dern, yes, they the team, the FBI team knows that Laura Dern is working against them. Yes. Or at least working for someone else. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so they bring her uh, along with them. And then uh, the police detective, the local Buckhorn police detective, uh, JJ from JJ's Diner from Parks and Recreation, <laughs> is, uh, is there as well. Yeah. Uh, and so what they do is Lillard identifies the house. He sees a homeless man yep. uh, there in the back and then fades out. And he gets really scared. He explains to Lynch how he got into the house, but that he doesn't remember anything that happened after he got in. So Lynch and and Ferrer are like, all right, let's go in. They say, Tammy, you cover us. And Laura Dern's just hanging out having a cigarette. Mm. And uh, JJ's in the car with with Lillard, um, who's like handcuffed in the backseat because he's still the suspect. They go, so Lynch leads, he goes through the fence as he approaches the house, uh, you see both a, a very good special effect and a very bad one. Uh, there's a shot of his face, which is just like a weird shaky cam that just fades in and out. Mm-hmm. But then you see like a pretty sophisticated special effect uh, of like, uh, like a, I don't know, what would you call it? Like a black hole or like a wormhole? Yeah, like a vortex. Yeah, a vortex. Like, yeah, a, that's a, good like a whirlpool in the sky almost, like sucking yeah. people in or something. Yeah, yeah. And uh, David Lynch is looking at it and uh, he feels compelled towards it for some reason. Mm. Raises his hands above his head. Yep, like he's going to accept it. Yes. Yes. Uh, we, we cut back at one point to yeah, I love Miguel Ferrer, yes. and you see that they can't see any of this. All they see is David Lynch just raising his hands. And just kind of shaking, right? Like yeah. in distress, maybe not distress, but like he's undergoing some sort of, he's like grappling yeah. with it, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And they're just letting this sort of, they're just like, yeah, they're watching him. Yeah. 
Uh, like they'd done it before, maybe. <laughs> maybe. So uh, Lynch, um, at one point, looks into the vortex yeah. and sees a room. Mm-hmm. And there's these three homeless men. Same guys we've been seeing throughout the season. Okay. Uh, I couldn't distinguish them, but, but I'll take your word for it. I mean, you know, same type of look that they... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they're standing along the stairs like they're the Von Trapp children. Yeah, sure. I like, like that. Like they're yeah. going to sing their goodnight song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he's about so, and Lynch is about to like reach out to them. Uh, at that point, Miguel pulls him back yeah. and snaps him back into reality. Uh, very little conversation about what just happened. Well, that's why I thought maybe they'd done it before because they're very comfortable with what they just witnessed. Yeah. I mean, there was a uh, sense that Frere knew he was going beyond the, um, oh, what's it called in the black hole? The event horizon of the sky, <laughs> the sky vortex. Uh, and he pulled them back in time. But beyond that, they all seem very comfortable with the situation. Uh, <laughs> the, the one, the one post-production product, uh, project I'll undertake is a, uh, a top 10 of weirdest sentences that we've said. <laughs> On this podcast. <laughs> and I think it pulls him back from the event horizon of the vortex. So the is, sky uh, vortex. Yeah. The sky vortex has to be up there. <laughs> uh, man. Uh, so yeah. I, I honestly think like the way to get ahead in the X-Files unit is just to act like you know what's happening. Yeah. Fake it till you make it, I guess. Is I, the... I really think that's what it is. Everyone's just kind of like, yep. Yeah. 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 We're, we're fighting the homeless people. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're all on the same page. Yeah. yeah. We all know exactly what's going on. <laughs> and JJ of JJ's diner is like, what the fuck is happening? Mm-hmm. Um, he's yeah. freaking out. He's, he's worried. Well, this is like training day for JJ. Uh, you know, he just got picked up by <laughs> Denzel Washington and he's, he's not, he's not ready for this. That's true. That's true. He is. He is. Uh, he's just staring out of the out of the driver's seat of the car, like, "What the hell is happening?" Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, one of the homeless men has been flanking them. Who? How should we say this? Um, Eviscerates, I guess. Huh? He, but he, just the he face. Transposes himself into the car. Oh, I guess so. Yeah. And Laura Dern sees it and does nothing. Her face is like you know she worked in the X Files unit. <laughs> And her face is not confused, or she doesn't even squint. She just like takes it in. She's like, "I see a, a homeless man approaching the car." Hmm. Yeah. So my my impression was that she let this happen. What happens is the homeless man enters the car, and then I guess possesses Matthew Lillard's body and explodes his head. It's not clear, yeah, how how he what he does. Yeah. But, but later we see a shot of Matthew Lillard, and and about uh, a third to two thirds of his head is missing. Yeah. Uh, it explodes, and JJ. You know, I always, I always give it up for realistic performances. David Lynch approaches the event horizon of a vortex, and Miguel pulls him back and is like, hmm, uh, this man's head explodes. And JJ is like, what the fuck? Like, oh my God, oh my God, what happened? And gets out of the car. This guy's going on the Cheryl Lee Academy for screaming. Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's, it's quite realistic. It That's is. That's what you expect to happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, it, you know, the suspect just exploded in the back of his... I mean, how is he going to explain this? I know, well... What's the paperwork going to be? David Lynch is King Kong, motherfucker. <laughs> I guess. David Lynch comes up and is like, what happened? And he's like, I don't know, man. <laughs> no, but Dave Lynch is pissed. Lynch, is, Lynch and Ferrer are pissed. They're like, yeah, you know, JJ, how the hell did you let this happen? You know, I don't think they were pissed. They are just like... What happened? No, no, they're no, they were they're mad. Yo, they were mad, and they were. Uh, That's really shitty of them. They were disturbed by it. It's as as if they have any control of what's happening. I know, I know. <laughs> that really sucks for for JJ. I know, right? Um, at some point, also, they discover the body of Ruth Davenport, mm-hmm. who was uh, decapitated. Yeah. Miguel Ferrer takes a photo, fo- takes a few photos with his camera. So I think we should finish this one out, right? When they go back to the police station, they're all having their coffee. There's a weird thing where Miguel Ferrer is like, maybe you want some co- some milk, and, and it's because it, I don't know if it, it, he said it like it was a code. Yeah, him and Lynch have a strange back and forth where they're they're talking about a cat. So I think I know what they're doing here. So, so Lynch Lynch's hand is shaking. Yes, because of the trauma of what just happened. Yeah, I guess, his, his nerves. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
and he makes a joke that it's like cat on a hot tin roof yeah because it's like jumping around mm. and they ask for coffee miguel says maybe you would like some milk some warm milk you know because of the cat mm-hmm. on the tin roof and so on the surface what he's saying is maybe you don't need the caffeine because you're already freaking out mm-hmm. you want to calm down but the way he said it it sounded like he was delivering a code yeah i think they are i don't know what the code was because they don't really do anything differently no but they do because don't they all i can't remember what they discuss but don't they all try to get information on laura dern no what they do is they uh uh they bring the coffee they're drinking it and then and then miguel is like so so ruth davenport's arm had coordinates written mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's the uh, you know that's the um uh the MacGuffin of the series so far yeah yeah series. Yeah, dark dark coop is trying to get the coordinates. Yeah, everyone's trying to get coordinates. Everyone's finding coordinates. They're all trying to get to the Black Lodge. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, and so Miguel's like, "Well, we got the coordinates," and he shows the picture of the coordinates to David Lynch, and they notice, or Miguel notices, that Laura Dern is memorizing the coordinates. Yeah. Uh, so presumably he's altered the coordinates, or they're doing some sort of sting operation on her. Yeah, no, that was my interpretation was it was more of a sting thing, which was them discussing their little code back and forth, talking about a cat. Um, I kind of yeah, thought maybe I, they, they were implying that Laura Dern was the cat. And so they were yeah, going to yeah. try to plant something uh, to see how she would react. I guess, but Miguel had the coordinates. I guess, I think the fake coordinates, maybe they are real coordinates and they're just using them as bait. Um, but he had the coordinates like printed out. Yes. ready to go yes so to me this felt like all like a pre-planned operation I mean, one that they just came up with he could be reminding he could be reminding lynch of the plan that they had <laughs> it was possibly by the way you remember the sting operation <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. Uh, i don't know yeah, yeah I, don't uh, know. I don't know i thought you would like it i thought it was like a kind of a slick everyone's sitting around eating their donuts drinking their coffee and uh i guess and they're all they're going after laura dern i, I thought the whole scene was just to draw out laura dern and, and get more information from yeah. her because remember so. she explains what she saw too um after they kind of sit around and start talking about stuff yeah um and yeah she says she says uh yeah i think i saw a homeless guy get out of the car and JJ is like, well, I didn't see anything. And she's like, well, I, th- I think I saw it, all right? I th- that's what I think I saw. Yeah. And then and then Lynch and, and Miguel are like, yeah, we saw, now that you mention it, we actually saw many homeless people appearing and disappearing. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> By so the way, yeah. They have this other little joke where they, where they bring out, not only do they bring coffee, but they bring out a platter of donuts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he says, coffee. He's like, ah, a policeman's dream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So now I think we talk about um, what else? What else were we missing? We're this... missing uh, Deputy Sheriff Hawk. Oh boy, are we going to talk about that? Let's do Hawk. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah gonna... <laughs> Deputy Sheriff Hawk. He's talking to Sheriff Truman. A true man, if I if I ever A true saw man. Him. That's right. So spaketh the law, lady. <laughs> True man. Uh, so um, Truman and and and, uh, and Hawk are looking over um, a map, <laughs> yeah. and the map that he has is uh, some sort of magical map <laughs> that is always correct. Yep. And I think he says that it changes. Oh yeah. To reflect reality. Mm-hmm. Um, Good I mean, thing to have. The, yeah, sure. Uh, you know, magic aside, it must be frustrating to be like the sheriff of a police department in a town where like unusual stuff happens. And their deputy's like, by the way, you know, I have a magic map that reveals truths. And uh, I haven't brought it up beforehand, but now I'm going to bring it up. Yeah, yeah. Usually, usually like- we like to rely on the log lady, but yeah. uh, let's let's bust out the map. And, uh, you know, we've seen we've seen a couple instances where 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 Deputy Sheriff Hawk and Sheriff Truman go over some evidence that that Hawk is is presenting. And it's always like bizarre evidence. And Truman asks like a few follow up questions and Hawk's like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Here's what you need to know. Mm -hmm. And Truman's like, I guess I won't question. I won't look this gift horse in the mouth, Mm -hmm. this gift, magical flying Pegasus in the mouth. 
um, they're looking at the map and, and Hawk is interpreting different symbols and he's like, there's the fire, uh, the, the fire could mean fire or it could mean electricity. Mm-hmm. There's uh, blackness, darkness. Well, I, I like the, I like the back and forth. Cause he says, and this, what's this sheriff? It's like, he's guiding him through like uh, it's like a, elementary school student being guided yeah. through like a new complicated uh, mathematical equation they've never seen before. Yeah. And Truman's like black fire. <laughs> he's like, yes. yeah. And he's like, yes, that's right. Very good. Very good. <laughs> I'd be, if this was my subordinate, I'd be like, look, if you either have information about the case or you yeah, don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. don't waste my goddamn time <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. with these games. Yeah. Uh, and also like, how is this going to hold up in court if we have to convict someone? Mm, excellent point. What, what the, the you know the the, the judge is going to be like? Where's the discovery? And he's going to be like, well, there was black fire, Your Honor, on the map that never changes. Objection, Your Honor. These people are clearly insane. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you better be going somewhere with this. Yeah. I'll allow it, but you better be going somewhere with this counselor. You're on a very You're short leash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to my chambers, and then then it, then it's all first names, right? Listen, yeah. Bob. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'll allow it because uh, because of your Native American heritage. <laughs> uh, so uh, basically, they they decide that uh, where they're going is is uh, black fire. Mm-hmm. There's there's one other aspect of the map. So Sheriff yeah. Truman is playing Hawk's stupid game of like, what does this look like to you? Well, to me, this looks like fire. Yeah, you're very good, fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one other thing where where Truman is like this symbol. There's a symbol up there. It's like a black shape of some kind. Mm. Um, I saw this symbol in, uh, I forget where he saw it. Was it in? He saw it in. No, no. He saw it in the pages that they found out of Major Briggs's chair. Secret. Yeah. So Bobby's dad's chair, his message to him that, that they have, they have coordinates, right? That they're supposed to be at in two days. And on those. On those pages was the same symbol. That's right. So to clarify for the audience, these are not the pages that were found in the men's room stall door. These are the pages that were found in the long missing, presumed dead man's chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's like, I recognize that symbol. And then Hawk has the audacity to tell him, you don't want to know anything about that. And he's like, what? <laughs> and Hawk is like, trust me, Sheriff. You don't want to know anything about that symbol. And I guess Truman is fine with that explanation. I mean, you know, he respects his heritage. No, <laughs> you can't be like, this is this. You're, you're showing me this magical map. Mm. The one thing that actually connects to what we know about the case, which is this unusual symbol. Explain to me what this is. And he's like, oh, no, no, I'm not going to do it for your own good. That's uh, that's quite condescending. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. That's not good. I mean, you, you, you got to know. You That's him. info that the sheriff needs. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's he gets you know he gets the big bucks so he can know what the weird symbol means. That's linking it yeah. all together. Yeah, yeah, I know that was. I mean, you gotta you gotta take care of that. You can't let your yeah. That's no good. You can't let your deputy sheriff tell you that. Come on. Yeah, uh, man. So I guess they'll go out to. At some point, we'll learn what the symbol is. Hawk's gonna keep it to himself for a while. But at some <laughs> point, we'll get to learn. <laughs> People have this symbol tattooed on them, by the way. Oh, my God. Uh, Hawk's right. I don't want to know anything about it. Hopefully these people someday listen, but, you know, they're going to hate me. They're going to revoke my Sherpa card. <laughs> That's right. So uh, we got Dougie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is the. Now, now you had said earlier. Brings it all together. That, uh, that uh, the boss, you know, you recognize that he was a former fighter. Yeah, yeah. The fighter notice? was reemerging. Was reemerging, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he has a I great still, name. I can't. What's his name? Uh, I don't. Oh, the fighter, the character. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but he's like so, no one puts like whatever his fighter name was. Like no one puts him in a corner or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's not. It doesn't matter. Uh, I, I obviously he's like got some like fighter past. I, da- I still I still argue with your point that like the fu- like the platonic like ideal of his fighter <laughs> self is reemerging as time goes on. Well, I have evidence for it. I'm sure you're about to bring it up, right? When he's at the desk. Yeah, but that that's that. I mean, there's nothing to prove that he wasn't doing this before. That's true. It's just something that he does. 
I don't think that like his exposure to Dougie is making him realize that like I've always been a fighter and I got to get back in shape. <laughs> no, it's it's reemerging. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he so he calls uh, he calls Dougie into his office, and then while he's waiting, he does desk push-ups. Desk push-ups. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, he's... Um, Dougie comes in. Uh, I should say first the the intern that's been helping out Dougie for an inex- inexplicable reason mm-hmm. answers the intercom and is like, "Yeah, we're on our way." He leads. Dougie by the nose with a with a platter of coffee, mm-hmm. and the boss is like, "Oh, that's normal." Um, <laughs> leaves the coffee for Dougie, so Dougie stays, and then he walks away. This intern is handling Dougie like he's, I mean, like a really dumb dog. <laughs> that's what he is, uh, I guess. But uh, so, and, and this actually, what they talk talked about got. Um, I was confused. Oh, okay. So. There's the there's the uh, uh, there's the there the Belushi brothers, yeah, uh, the Mitchum brothers, their real name, mm-hmm. uh, and their enemies or their, their enemy, this other guy uh, that works in Las Vegas, also who we've been yeah. calling the, the COO or middle management of evil. Yes, yes. Uh, depending on how high we want to promote him for that particular episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the middle management of evil guy had told Tom Sizemore to tell these brothers that Dougie had revealed that they had committed arson. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's what had happened. What we learn is actually the opposite. Yeah, correct. Which is that the insurance company, thanks to Dougie's inscrutable drawings, (laughs) the boss realized that they had not committed arson. Yeah, that it was a legitimate that it was fire. a legit and this this is just very it's very strange to me because you have this like narrative that like, you know, Coop Prime is like a man of the law mm-hmm. and that Tom Sizemore is the shady guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It just it for me it's it's strange that the move is to take innocent men. I mean they're also gangsters and criminals. Well, that's the, you know, uh, what's his name? Dougie's boss kind of talks about the fact that, you know, I thought they were criminals, but, you know, maybe they're, maybe they got hearts of gold. I mean, they, they certainly seem to treat that candy awfully nice, even though she's worthless. Well, they are criminals, though, because remember, they had, they had put up murder contracts on uh, Ike the Spike, and they intend to kill Dougie in a desert. <laughs> that's true. These are bad guys. Yeah, they do bad things, but I think they're good people. I think that's the, I think that's the point, actually. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, maybe that'll come through later. Okay. So far, I'm not convinced of that. I mean, later we'll talk about how Jim Belushi wakes up and is like, I can't wait three hours that we have to wait to kill this guy. <laughs> I need to kill him now. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about the motivations and instincts of an innocent man. <laughs> He's been wronged by mr douglas jones you know these people these these criminal these these you know these these people can't rely on the law to take settle their differences they have to yeah resort to violence but you see what i'm saying right it's it's weird that the falsification of the document was to make innocent people look guilty yeah that is strange and confusing um yeah yeah, it it should have been more streamlined yeah no i i'm with you it's convoluted definitely what you would think is that Dougie uncovered insurance fraud. What actually is the case is that Dougie uh, discovered that, that that fraud was not committed. Right. It's weird that the fraud is someone not getting money. Yeah. That's yeah. that's the that's it it, it 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 feels like a non sequitur, right? Because you think of fraud as someone gaining additional money, when in reality, what the person who gained the advantage achieved through the fraud was just the demotion of another right person, and, and right? what's also strange is like so tom sizemore you know obviously you know we understand that he's not working for the belushi brothers mm-hmm. what he does for his boss is to you know knock them out of a payday by manufacturing a crime <laughs> yeah yeah which uh you would think would draw more scrutiny uh yeah. it's it, it's just so much easier to hide a crime 
when it's like, oh, the, ho- the hotel burned down. Maybe this is this just the dark world of Las Vegas where it's more common that if a hotel burns down and then it's like, oh, it was arson. And then it's like, oh, of course. I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I, You know, honestly, I think the boss looks at it and he's like, now that you drew my attention to these, yeah. these, these details that I've missed before, it was actually just a regular fire. Like that doesn't make any, that's just, it's just very, very bizarre. Yeah. I think, I think, um, I think maybe Mark Frost, cause this isn't David Lynch, right? This is pure Frost, pure plot. <laughs> I, I think, I think, um, they want the Belushi brothers to gain something to influence their interaction with Dougie. And so for them to gain something, he has to give them something that was taken away. And I think that maybe that's why it's so convoluted and, the, the instance of fraud doesn't really make sense on the surface. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe I've thrown in a few more lines where like they explain that they're mad because, and they're like, you know, even a line where Jim Belushi was like, you know, usually we're criminals, but in this case we didn't burn it down. That's what's so frustrating about this. There was none of that. They were just, right, they, right. they were acting like they had committed arson. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you just assume that they did something, something bad because yeah. They're clearly gangsters. Like that's the you know. Right. My my point is that it was strange unnecessarily. Yeah. Like many things in the show. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's definitely convoluted. Yeah. And it goes back to another point that I had a couple of parts ago where it's like you have such a bizarre show. Clearly the plot exists to serve the art. Why not just make it as simple as possible to support the art? Like, why is it so difficult to understand? Well, you know, that's I mean, that's part of the show is you know, like I said before, it was a spoof of soap opera is a spoof of these these dumb genre things um so maybe that's part of it i don't know it's more complicated than the source material like that seems <laughs> unusual yeah i don't know uh so um uh we go to the and then, and then the boss also gives some weird explanation it's really unnecessary where it's like I know what you're thinking. Oh, I, I, th- I would think you would love this. Oh, no, I didn't care at all. Oh, you didn't care at all? Because I was thinking this. I was like, how are they, they going to survive? They give a $30 million payout, and uh, and and then he's like, I know what you're thinking. Aren't we going to go bankrupt? Yeah. I don't know why he's saying that to his own employee. Well, I mean, you know, aren't you worried, you know, if you're, your employer's about to get, you know, about to give out a $30 million uh, payout's gonna end his job. He's not the you know the whole firm's gonna collapse. Uh, I I would have assumed that that what what he said was what the what the boss said was that we took out like a secondary insurance. We covered our we hedged ourselves by taking a second insurance mm. policy, uh, which perhaps means that the Las Vegas insurance market is incredibly leveraged. It's a house of cards, I know. <laughs> yeah. And it's going to uh, it's going to collapse 2008 style. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh maybe we'll watch the big short too and it's just uh explaining how Dougie brought down uh house of cards. Uh So, uh we cut to the Belushi brothers. They're at home. It's 2:30 p.m. and they're waking up. How what, how do you know it's two thirty? Does it say it's two thirty p.m.? Yeah, because uh, they have a they have a, a murder appointment with Dougie at five thirty p.m. Uh-huh. And Jim Belushi comes out in his robe. Oh, they and, look so comfortable, right? Uh, I mean, <laughs> the silk pajamas and robes. Oh my god, they got fresh coffee. Yeah, so I know it's two thirty because they have they have a five thirty p.m. assassination appointment with Dougie. And he says, you can't oh, wait the three hours. Oh, oh, I got you. Okay. And at one point, they actually cut to a clock, too, and they show that it's about 2.30. That is a strange move, that they're just waking up at 2.30. And, but, it, but you know, they also, like, are Las Vegas people that do – they're doing business at, like, midnight. So mm. they probably they – probably, it probably makes sense for them to keep those kinds of hours. That's true. That's true. So uh, they, they, they're – so as I, as I alluded to earlier, Jim Belushi comes in, and he's like, I had this dream uh, mm-hmm. about Dougie about this guy that we're going to kill, Douglas Jones. And it made me so angry. I can't wait to kill him. I'm just so, so mad about him. And his brother's like, hey, you can wait until three hours, right? And he's like, ah, I can't. He can't even eat his raisin bran. He's so angry. Yeah. And raisin bran's delicious. Um, Dougie's boss has given Dougie a check to mm-hmm. uh, the $30 million check. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, obviously, look, we, we've, uh, 
he's acknowledged that Dougie has lapses in mental ability from time to time. Yes. Why he's giving Dougie this very important I assignment. I know, I know. Yeah, I had questionable. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he like manhandles Dougie out the office and he's like, there's going to be a car to pick you up. Um, Dougie's boss is leading him to the car and he um, he trusts him. He's giving him this assignment to give him a thirty to give them a thirty million dollar check. Thirty million dollar check. Yeah. He trusts him so little that he says, "Dougie, you have the check, right?" Even though he's physically taken him out of the office, he says, "Dougie, you have the check, right?" <laughs> Dougie doesn't respond, and he looks inside Dougie's pocket to verify <laughs> that the check is there. It, it's bizarre to me that the boss is like, "I trust him to make this assignment, to make this thing," and I also trust him in finding no fault in this incredibly expensive insurance case. Um, but whatever. Uh, so, so uh, and then Dougie uh, sees, he sees uh, the one-armed man. Yeah, yeah. In the, with the red curtains, giving him a vision. And the red arm, one-armed man is doing his weird, like, backstroke, backstroke beckoning thing. Yeah, come hither. Yeah, his, his come hither, come hither move. And, and has Dougie go into a store to buy something. Mm-hmm. We don't know what it is yet. Uh, the car arrives. It's the same limo driver. I know. What a great callback. Yeah, I really like that. The same driver. I like this uh, guy. Who had dropped off Dougie after he was Mr. Jackpot and won all that money from the casino. Mm-hmm. And so he really looks at him and he's like, Red Door, right? Because uh, that's what he remembers about this guy. <laughs> uh, I can't believe that the driver wasn't like, oh, shit, the Red Door guy. I know. I uh, know. It's funny. Yeah. Or maybe maybe he knows that... Uh, Dougie's happy because he's in the backseat of a very comfortable Lincoln. That's true. Some fine upholstery. Yeah, he's just loving the ride, no matter where it takes you. That's right. Yeah, that sounds that, that, that sounds like a good car commercial line. <laughs> Love the ride, no matter where it takes you. <laughs> it uh, does imply that sometimes you go really good places. Sometimes it's really bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. If, not how much Lincoln's gonna love it. Yeah, the commercial would be like like someone like going to a funeral in the car. Right. <laughs> At least I love these leather seats. Yeah, it's uh, you know, sometimes you're you know, sometimes you're going to your you know your daughter's your daughter's graduation, and sometimes you know you're, you're gonna go get tested for COVID. Yeah. Either way, I'm on board. <laughs> either way, you know, heated seats. So enjoy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so Dougie arrives to the meeting uh, in the desert and he's holding uh, a box and uh, Belushi, Jim Belushi uh, freaks out and is like, Hey, in my dream, he was holding a box. If a certain thing is in this box, we can't kill him. Trust me. We can't, I guess I'll just say, so, uh, so this, they really play up, you know, if this one thing is in the box, we can't kill him. And so of course, you know, it's going to be, that one thing sure it turns out to be a cherry pie mm-hmm. uh is this a reference to seasons one and two do they eat a lot of cherry pie at the diner oh uh, it is and you've seen that happen with actually um you know who most frequently ate a cherry pie in the twin peaks universe it was the same woman that richard killed in that um or beat the beat the half death in uh in that trailer so so they open the box they reveal that it's in fact cherry pie mm-hmm they freak out. They and, and Jim Belushi's like, "We can't kill him. We can't kill him." They say, "Frisk him," and they find the thirty million dollar check. Presumably, if they had shot him, you know, they would have just dumped his body, maybe the check <laughs> would have damaged or something, so they would have lost out on it. Yeah, yeah. Because it was right over his heart. You know, that's probably where they would have shot him. Right? That's true. Yeah, and you know, interesting in the dream, they don't know about the thirty million dollar check, but they know about the yeah. Paper. And yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. And it's also interesting that Jim Belushi. Woke up from the dream, very eager to kill Dougie. As soon as he sees the box, he's like, "According to my dream, if he's doing certain things, we can't kill him because we we, we have to keep him alive." To be fair, though, at that point, he doesn't believe that the dream is going to happen. He's just is sick of this guy haunting his dreams. Yeah. Maybe I don't oh, know. maybe maybe that's what it is. He had the prof- prophetic dream, and instead of being like, "Oh, I need to keep," maybe my, there's something to my dream. I have to keep him alive. He's just like, ah. So I dreamed this guy was innocent. Guy, it makes yeah. me hate him and want to kill him even more. Yeah. Well, you know, they have, they have hearts of gold. So that's my <laughs> position. <laughs> I'm going to murder this guy. I dreamt that he was innocent. I had to keep him alive. And that made me want to kill him all the more. Yeah, get this raisin brand out of here. Yeah. 
Um, so uh, now they love him. Yeah, no. they bring him to a restaurant. They uh, little they have a little toast. You got the feeling that the Belushi brothers are going to be keeping Dougie around, you know, as like their their friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the old, presumably homeless woman. Oh, this is so good. Yeah. Yeah. Who had been in, and I know you guys will, of course, remember. <laughs> uh, gosh, was it part three? Um, part three or part four? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where when he becomes Mr. Jackpot. So this is essentially two months ago. You haven't seen this woman. This woman in. 10 minutes worth of the show if that yeah. if that uh if that yeah um this woman uh was watching him uh win and pick winners and then uh i forget did he did he tell her what machine to use or i think he indicated what machine she should use yeah he he kind of pointed he yes he indicated it in some fashion i can't remember what he did uh yeah and then she she won the jackpot. Right? Mm. So now she shows up at this fancy restaurant. She you know is kind of de- decked out, and she mm. talks about how uh, thanks to him she turned her life around. She owns a house now. She's reconnected with her son. She's reconnected with her son, which means that her son <laughs> abandoned her when she was poor and has come back <laughs> into her life now that she's rich. Well, you know, uh, at least she's happy, right? Yeah, I guess so. These women come out, and uh, and it's also interesting that they always call on candy. Do you think they're all equally uh, out of it? I or think is it so. Just candy? No, they must be because they keep calling on candy. Yeah, they like candy. Yeah, candy's always in the middle of their formation. <laughs> yeah, she yeah. is. Candy, give him another piece of pie. <laughs> she's like, what? Candy, another piece, another piece of pie. And she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then uh, she serves more pie. At some point, the piano switches to slow music yeah oh i i just love this i think it's when the old woman arrives because it just really drives home the the melodrama yeah it becomes scene. like it goes from like like pretty typical like kind of italian restaurant like mm-hmm. you know ambiance music yeah, yeah. to very slow like memory music yeah very slow very dramatic very yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's that's when the old woman arrives uh and then it becomes happy ambience ambience music again then that's when candy and her crew uh the candy the candy crew mm-hmm. uh, arrive and they kind of yeah and then they kind of toast dougie right and then like they toast they toast him twice both times uh they hold out their glasses and he tries to grab their glass <laughs> away from over them and they're like no dougie no no yeah, yeah, yeah. use your own glass again totally like indulging his like insane behavior yeah uh and then uh and then and then there's no there's no bang bang bar we just the it cuts back to the piano and just, he plays yeah. slow music again i mean it could be the end that could be the end of the whole series honestly the way they end it that's it boom uh, we're done fade to black call it you think so you could that, think that could be the end of the series i mean that music i, I that music is so oh, good uh, oh it's so beautiful was, okay <laughs> Oh yeah, no. Written by longtime David Lynch collaborator Angelo Badalamenti. Oh, all right. The composer of the of the show and most of Lynch's films. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, great. And yeah, that's that's the episode. That's the episode. Yeah. What was your let's 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 get into it. What was your rating? What was your rating of this episode? I know these these plot heavy episodes. I really get torn about because I'm you know I'm here for the for the crazy uh, weird art house stuff, but yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like it hits all the notes. I do really think that it's supposed to be dumb. Like that's the whole point, which is it's <laughs> underlined by that you know that ridiculous um, scene at the end with the woman coming back and thanking Mister Jackpots. Yeah. And then the gangsters to I mean it's just completely insane. The entire thing. And that's the point. I mean that's intentional. You know, that's not an accident. That's not lazy writing. That's Lynch saying we're going to be lazy writers and and write this stuff. That um, still makes it lazy writing. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, but that I mean that song. Ah, oh, I love it. So I was really torn. I was not I I'm I'm really surprised that you loved the song. It was just uh it was regular music. No, 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 <laughs> no. I loved it. I loved it. So I'm going to go B plus. 
B plus. Okay. Which is pretty low, all things considered. I think uh, I usually usually I spend time, and I usually cut it for the sake of the audience. I spend a lot of time agonizing over these things. Not today. D. D. Okay. Terrible. Mm. Okay. Uh, I, I've given lower ratings for when I've been uh, just like baffled and bored, yeah, um, yeah. and I've given lower ratings when I've been like upset by the episode. Do you uh, you you want to know what AV Club gave it? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I gave it a B. A B. Oh wow. What was the what was the general thinking there? Just uh episode not delivering? Uh I guess. You know what's crazy? I, I still can't believe they gave the last episode a B minus, which I thought was really good. I thought last episode was this episode, but just done a little bit better. This one was just all in on the the hokey soap opera aspects. Pretty much every yeah. scene. This I just like, eh, I don't care. Very boring. Well, this is plot. You know, you're you're a fan of the plot, so. But we've think, seen we've seen good plot. Yeah, no, know? for sure, for sure. The Matthew Lillard arc in parts one and two were excellent plot. Well, so much for him. Yeah, well, now he's. <laughs> oh man, David Lynch needs plot like Matthew Lillard needs a hole in the head. <laughs> and he got it. And he got it. Um, oh, got it. Sure, it can feel sometimes like the distance isn't so great that we can just go online to click on each other's face.